Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Welcome to Exploring Missions. We're glad that you could tune in today on this weekend and we praise the Lord for what God is doing across the street, but also around the world. And sometimes because things kind of slow down at home, we need eyes that what God is doing in other countries. I know things in America right now that talk about the mainstream religions and churches deteriorating and declining. And some churches are growing. They're having to have multiple services, multiple sites, and a lot of things going on. And But evangelism and the number who are, quote, being baptized and joining the church overall is a little less than it was, but that's not necessarily what's happening in other parts of the world. And one of the greatest things I learned was praying, Lord, give me eyes for the world. And that's what we try to do on Exploring Missions, because in Isaiah chapter 42, listen to this, what Jesus, it says about Jesus, thus says the God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand and I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. Love that passage because it talks about the ministry of Israel, But it also now, not that we're the new Israel, but the ministry that Israel had in being missional for God is true with the church that we're to be missional here on earth, that all the earth may know that Jesus is Lord. Our guest today on Exploring Missions is Kendra White. Kendra, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I love this topic and I love this show. Well, amen, Kendra. We love you and you work at American Family Studios. I do. How long have you been there now? It has been eight years. You're kidding. Eight years. I know. (laughs) It goes by so fast. And I'm so blessed to get to work for a ministry. I'm a screenwriter. I work on Ryan DeFrady's Secret Agent, the animated children's series. And if folks <laughs> haven't go, seen that, go to AFA store and yes, uh, listen. Please. My grandchildren love it. <laughs> yes, and um, we've done some feature films, Summer Snow, I'm Potential. We just finished the documentary, The God Who Speaks. And which I is... want to share with you, it comes out, or it has come out yes. February the 1st to the public. You know, I had the privilege of previewing it, and I just want to say The God Who Speaks is a ministry that churches need to look, and there's going to be some Sunday school material or small group material that comes out. It's awesome, and it tells you the authority from which we speak as the church. Yes, it's such a needed thing, and as we've shown it to select um, settings, the common thing that we've heard is our church needs this. Every church needs to see this because we, as Christians, say that our faith and our lives are built upon God's Word, but then sometimes somebody will come um, with an opposing argument of how can you really trust God's word is true? Well, who wrote it? Who decided which books came into the Bible? How do you know that it's really God's word? And sometimes with just one or two little arguments, if you don't know 
the authority of God's word and how how strongly we can trust it, then your faith can start to unravel. But we do have a firm foundation in God's word. And there is a lot of evidence that proves that God's word is so trustworthy. You can't just lean on it. You completely lay on it. You lay down your life on top of it. Every fiber of our being is on Christ. Now, I I love this and I, I use it quite a bit. Even if someone doesn't believe it's God's word, it still is. It is. It's so true. And guess and what they you can't do? Argue you with use the facts. It. Exactly. They God's can't. word. God's word speaks regardless if people want to hear it or not. Right. It's still the word of God. So that's why preachers and teachers, you preach the word of God. But this book, this film, mm-hmm. 90 minute documentary will equip you to answer questions that believers ask most of the time. Yes. That how, how can I know this? I found it true. But what is the evidence? Just even little things in your own walk, you know that the Bible is true. And I knew starting out on this project that it was true. But somehow after we were done making this, it felt truer than true. (laughs) And there were even little thing questions that I had in my head. You know, we talked to a lot of um, in the documentary are people who um, have worked on translation committees for translations that you probably read, you know, NIV, New Living. And um, I always in my thought, why do they have to have committees to translate? Like, what do they got to decide about? And I had in my head this picture of like a group of people being like, what do we want the Bible to say? Like, how should we interpret it? And that's very scary because it feels like men are putting their interpretation of what scripture is. But actually meeting the people that are on committees and understanding the detailed work that they do to basically just trying to keep... um, as the English language evolves, keep it true to the meaning of what the original text is and meeting some of these men and women who have studied and um, know so much more than I do and hearing their hearts and that there's no bias or um, agenda. Um, And, you know, they even explained little things like, you know how in your Bible there'll be an end note that'll say, some manuscripts say, and it'll be a different word. And you go, well, does it say it or not? Like, <laughs> I thought God's word, I, you know. Yeah. And that can sometimes to um, a young believer, that can give us doubt. Like, does God's word, is it not consistent? Some manuscripts say it and some don't. And they kind of explain in the documentary how um, they say, you know, we, it's not that we don't have the whole Bible. We have 110% of the Bible. Right. Because there are some manuscripts that add things like, you know, in your Bible, you have a map. You have um, sometimes end notes and added additional things that are resources to help you understand scripture. And some of the manuscripts include additional things um, just to help the reader. And so they kind of explain um, why sometimes it'll say that and just little things like that. It is worth watching. It is. And, And let me just share with you the number of difficult passages in scriptures is small compared to all of it. So small. So small. And most agree there's a few. And and then the struggle today and the reason you have like the NIV being a little bit different than the ESV is is not necessarily because of different manuscripts, because in our day, if you go strictly by translation of the word, Mm -hmm. the word, we don't know what in the world that word means in our vocabulary. And so when they do that, they take that small amount and they try to translate the thought of it and what that thought is. And so it's a combination of a complete translation, which would be wooden, right. and those that would be a complete paraphrase that would be hard to study. Right. You can read it, 
but you can't dig into it. Just like in, in the English language, it's raining cats and dogs. If you translate that <laughs> literally into Spanish, they're going to think, what? what do you mean? <laughs> oh. What are you talking about? But we know because yeah. that's a phrase in our culture that's yeah, exactly. used. One of the contributors in the documentary gave us a really practical, real-life example of how this plays out in um, the Old Testament when God refers to himself as being um, slow to become angry and that you know his patience the actual translation of that Hebrew word says um, that he has a long nose. And you're like, what does what that, that mean? mean? <laughs> that God has a long nose? And in, in their culture, when you get angry, your face starts to turn red. And the longer you hold it in, the redness slowly, slowly, slowly goes to the end of your nose. Exactly. And if you have a long nose, it takes longer for that rage to yeah. come to the point of boiling. Yeah. And so, but if you translate that into English, God has a long nose, like you're just going to think that they're describing God's face to you, you know? Yeah. So that's just one it example is. that stu- stood well, with Well, the me. reason we're talking about it is, again, uh, the God who speaks being released, we're suggesting you do it. Kendra helped with that and appreciate what you did and parts of it in uh, at American Famous Studios. Oh, thank you. Another reason we have here is you're a world traveler. Yes. Uh, tell us a few of the nations that you've been in in your life. You know what? God has blessed me so much. I have had a heart for missions since a little girl, and he hasn't opened up an opportunity for me to go into full-time missions, but there are so many unique experience that he's opened. I've been to Israel three times now, and I've done, um, through the gift of media that he's given me, I've created videos for Holocaust survivors and ministries to reach out to the IDF soldiers in Israel and um, helped with um, widows and um, single moms in Israel. And um, I've also been to China. Um, I was there for the Olympics in 2008 and got to help film at an orphanage there. I've been to the Dominican Republic um, with Operation Christmas Child to watch some delivering of shoeboxes. And um, I've been to New Zealand. Amen. And the Lord has just opened up a lot of unique... And you but didn't stay in New Zealand. You came I back didn't. home. I didn't. I came home. Though. I have a brother as, there. Yeah. And it is a beautiful, beautiful yeah, land. It is. I, I, that's one of the places on my bucket list. Oh, you got to go. It, yeah, is, it. it is like a postcard. Okay. But recently, yes. where have you gone to in your last trip. I just returned back from Romania and um, through actually the God Who Speaks, um, AFA has has traveled a lot. Our, our little studio team has spent a lot of time on the road and AFA is really gracious to give us time off after we've been traveling a lot. So I had some extra time to use this past year and I said, Lord, I've got this extra time. I'm going to give it to you. Like, how would you like to use it? And I, uh, my mom is kind of my traveling companion and buddy and keeps us safe so I'm not alone overseas. And we just started praying together and said, Lord, if, if you would have us to go somewhere, we'll go. But, you, you know, you have to open the door. And there's a missionary family that um, has recently, about four years ago, started um, doing missions work in Romania. And God laid them on our heart. And we just reached out to them and said, do you need help with anything? <laughs> and they said, yes, please, please come. That's us. a dangerous question. It is. It is. <laughs> but God just like opened up a door for us to go. They do. Um, the Van Horn family, beautiful family, eight children. Um, they do ministry in Romania to the orphans mm-hmm. um, and to the widows and to the gypsies. 
And I mean, Scripture says that pure religion is to take care of the orphan and widows, and they're repeat, doing it. <laughs> repeat the people that they're ministering to one yes. more time. This so, is this <laughs> is really important. A lot of times when you go into to a to a country like mm-hmm. Romania, there there's so many different groups mm-hmm. that trying to say, okay, we do it, we do it all, you know. Right. But you really have to zero in one's God has prepared you for exactly. Their heart was for three people groups: the orphans the widows, and the gypsies. And the orphans, there's an orphanage that they serve with um, that is a Christian orphanage. And, you know, communism in my lifetime was ruling in Romania and only in the last 30-so years has fallen. 1989. Yes. 1989. (laughs) And so um, this country as a whole was hungry for Christ. And Mm -hmm. um, an opportunity came for the gospel to be rushed into Romania. And so... Um, this orphanage is run by some Christians that just want to, um, you know, present Christ to. They have orphans that come off the streets that have that have been beggars, you mm-hmm. know, and um, they they really try to instill the gospel in the in the kids that they serve. Um, and then the widows um, in in Romania, we we went from house to house to these little widows who just, I mean hunched over and it's cold and we'd knock on the door and it would take them 15 minutes to get to the door to get you in. But you might be the only face they saw for two weeks. Mm. And um, they were so hungry for fellowship and that need, the need was so great. A lot of them live in homes um, without running water. Um, You know, they have to chop their own firewood in their, you know, in their eighties and um, some don't have electricity and just, the, the need is really, really great. And so just providing that fellowship and letting them know that someone loves them. And, and you know, we would go, I don't speak Romanian. So I was like, how's this going to work, yeah. Lord? Praise but, the you Lord know, for interpreters. <laughs> exactly. Praise the Lord for interpreters. And then sometimes there's a language of love that crosses a boundary. and You, you would love just... <laughs> They just know that you yeah. they're to love them. You don't have to explain. Yeah. I think it's time and care. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you go in and you hold these little old women's hands and they just go blah, 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 and they just tell you their whole life story in Romania. <laughs> I speak clearly. And they're, and they're crying and yeah. they're kissing you on the cheek and you know just your presence wow. tells them that God loves them. Amen. And um the orphanage that we worked at, they did speak English, so that was <laughs> very helpful. But the, the last people group that we got to minister to were the gypsies. Yes. And um, I really was unaware of the stigma that gypsies have in Europe and just that. Um, Didn't Transylvania is is part of Romania. Creating this, yeah. yes, the and, stigma. And, yeah, the whole bit there, yeah. So, so they really are considered by some a second um, class citizen. Right. And it's really sad because I discovered while in Romania that there are some churches that will not allow the gypsies mm-hmm. in. They will have a VBS for the kids, and if the gypsies try to sign up, they're not allowed. Yeah. And I I only use the term gypsy because that is what, as Westerners, we're familiar right. with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, many of them don't prefer that term. Um, mm-hmm. But they are people whom God loves Amen. dearly. Something about Jesus came for the outcast. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, it was so great, too, because um, I really didn't know how my mom and I were going to get to serve um, when we went on this missions trip. And we were um, we talked to the missionary family and we said, you know, we we can do crafts. We can teach them a song. We can play games. We can just love on people. Like, what do we need to do to prepare? And they said, all of that sounds great. So we kind of thought, oh, they'll just tell us what to do when we get there. And 
So we're on the plane on the ride over, and I lean over to my mom and I said, I think we should get a Bible story ready in case we have an opportunity to share. Just have it fresh in our minds and like have a clear way to communicate. Um, So we were just praying on the plane together. And I love the way the Holy Spirit works because he can prepare you for things that you have no idea. He goes before us, doesn't (laughs) he? He does. He does. And so the, the story that God dropped on my heart was the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And I thought, you know, what a beautiful picture of how um, Christ is the living water that lives in us and um, that we can come to him and, and he is our source. And um, so I kind of started preparing that story in my mind. And um, as soon as we arrive in Romania, the missionaries start telling us what the schedule and plan is. And they say, OK, um, in two days, we're going to go up to the hill, which is um, in this in this village. This is the poorest of the poor where some of these gypsies live. And we have three churches that have invited you to come and speak to them. And there's they're going to basically like a mini VBS for an hour and a half. You can come and there's we're going to pack all these kids. What do you have that you can do? <laughs> and first, my heart kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> you want us to lead a VBS? We didn't prepare for this. Yeah. But, you know, the word of God says, always be ready to give an account of the hope that is within you. And one of the things that I noticed from being in Romania is that there are a lot of hopeless people. Oh, me. Um, in talking with some of some of the orphans, I asked them, you know, what's what's your favorite thing about Romania? What do you love? And one of them said nothing. There is nothing I like about Romania. And that's hard for me to understand because as Americans, we are so proud of our own country. Um, but there really is a desire by a lot of the youth in Romania to leave, just to get out. Right. And um, the average college graduate in Romania only earns about $300 a month. College graduate and very few have college degrees in Romania. So there is an, a level of poverty that I was not used to seeing right, it, it at is all. There, yeah. And um, they haven't <clears throat> overcome what communism had done to them. Right. They're slowly coming out. Right. And it takes a while. It does. It does. And when um when you get trapped in a cycle of life, it's really hard to get out of that. And I think breaking those chains. For the gypsies it's particularly hard because they have the stigma of being untrustworthy. And um so people will not hire them. It's hard for them to get jobs. And therefore some of them choose to be untrustworthy right. um, just to survive and to live. And so it's, you know, it has to be Christ that transforms Amen. their hearts to get them out of that cycle. Amen. So anyways, I, I have this, this, this story of a Samaritan woman and we find out that we're going to be teaching with these, these um, gypsies at these churches and they pack 80 kids into this tiny <laughs> little room and they come in and they tromp through the snow. It snowed while we were there and you've got little babies and little 13-year-old mamas holding their babies that have come to hear the word of God and they're all bundled up and sitting in this cold little church staring at us and um, we begin to share the story of the Samaritan woman and um, it was so cool. As we came into these towns, I saw all of these wells and I did not know at the time that these communities we'd be working in, their um, community well, community well is where yeah. they draw their water. And you know, in the U.S., if you share the story of the Samaritan woman with children, you might have to explain to them what a well is yeah. because they don't, and they've never seen one. Right. These kids draw their own water from a well, so they get it. They understand the importance of water. 
And um, also, you know, the Samaritan woman is, uh, the Samaritans were outcasts in, in Jesus's time. They were the, um, you avoided Samaria, you walked around it, but Jesus chose to walk through Samaria because he loved and he had a heart for the people. And so as we were sharing, I could, you know, I talked about um, how this woman must have felt that she was unloved, that society looked down on her. And I could just see um, this message connecting Amen. in their minds and their hearts. And I was just, thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit to give us great ideas of ways to ways to share and communicate. <laughs> he did prepare. He and did. <laughs> when you were talking about the orphanage, if you were to go back pre-1989, mm-hmm. uh, Romania, more than as much or more than any other of the communist rule countries, they had children in, in their orphanages, and they just were laying there. No human contact they, mm-hmm. after their birth. They were just placed in a bed and only fed, not with somebody holding mm-hmm. them, but just a bottle stuck there as much as they could. And I've known some of the ones that were you know, adopted out of that, and the transition is, was so difficult because of not having that human contact exactly. early on. That and attachment disorder yes, of not that's being exa- touched. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 been real, but mm-hmm. they're overcoming that. And that's what Christ said. Yes. We're more than conquerors in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. And when you and your mom went, what a what a way to help them to be more than conquerors in Christ, especially those right. who are following Christ. And, and, and you know what an opportunity for the gospel when when communism yes. fell. Romania's hearts, the hearts of the people were open to Christ in a unique way. And we got to hear some of the stories because the people that we're talking to were there when it happened. This is first generation freedom that we're experiencing. It's different. I've been (laughs) to Poland and I observe that same Mm -hmm. thing similar happened to Poland and these first generation freedom that, I mean, you talking about appreciation. They they have something to go back to when, when it wasn't there. Right. There's one story I have to share with you. Um, there's a pastor that we met with, Pastor um, Soreen, and um, he was um, pro-communism when it fell. And he and some of his buddies were um, marching in the streets and they wanted it back because a lot of times you want what you know. Right. And you want what's familiar. familiar. Exactly. And you don't understand what freedom is until you've walked in it. Um, and so he and his buddies were atheists, just very um, opposed to God. And a young orphan in Romania came up to him and invited him to his church. And he said, no, 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 you need that. That's good for you because you're, you're a kid who needs religion to lean on. And, and the orphan just kept pressing him and pressing him and pressing him. So eventually he came to church, gave his life to, to Christ, completely transformed his life. And um, at this time in Romania, there were not a lot of English speakers or translators from Romanian to English. Um, And there were a lot of missionaries and pastors who were wanting to come into the country now that the Iron Curtain, you know, has um, been destroyed. It's been removed. Um, But there weren't enough people to translate the word of God into the Romanian language and to to preach these sermons. So an American um, or I don't know if he's American, but an English speaker came to Romania and he met um, this, this man, Mr. Soreen, who had just given his life to Christ. And he came up to him, and I don't know how they communicated, but he said, you are going to translate for me this Sunday. And uh, Pastor Soreen did not know English. He maybe knew three or four words in English. He said, no, 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 I can't. I can't. He said, no, no, no. 
God is going to give you the language and you are going to translate this Sunday because God's people need it. So he came to this service, new believer, knows no English, 10 minutes before the pastor, the, the uh, English speaker gets up. God gives him the English language. Hallelujah. He gets up and he perfectly translates. He, kn- he somehow just hears what this man is saying. He preaches the gospel. As soon as it's over, he doesn't know English. And again and again, God used it in this man's life. He would go and he couldn't just talk in English. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't just speak the language, but he could translate a sermon because the, the spirit of God came on him for that Amen. purpose. Amen. And um, he eventually learned English, obviously. Yeah. But getting to meet with that pastor and hear. Isn't that amazing? What, yeah. Pentecost. <laughs> I know, right? It's, God still speaks. And he does. That, this is what God does. Uh, people need to. I've, I think it's clear in the scriptures, mm. frontier missions, and frontier missions means bringing the gospel into mm-hmm. an area that has not had it or it has been stifled. Mm-hmm. God's uniqueness of spiritual gifts, especially those of healing, of speaking, becomes more valuable. More, It's because it's needed. It's needed mm-hmm. much more. And if you watch the book of Acts, you'll find out when they came to Ephesus, look what mm-hmm. all happened. When, when they came into Samaria, look at all the gifts that happened at the mm-hmm. beginning. And then as they became more mature, we find out they relied upon the Spirit of God to you know, go before them right. and the Word of God to saturate their lives. And there in Romania, it was happening. And it's true in other places, too, when when God's missional purpose mm-hmm. for them moved in. You, you have all these. I, I'm talking about experiences like this. Nothing are, can stop nothing the, can the power stop of God the, when he wants to move. Amen. <laughs> it's the power of the gospel over all barriers. Right. And one of right. those barriers is language. God overcomes that barrier, right. doesn't he? Right. Absolutely. Our guest is, is Kendra White here uh, on Exploring Missions. She's with American Family Studios, and she's recently been to Romania. I love Romania. One of my heroes, Joseph Son, was from Romania, and they brought him under over in the old regime, the communist regime. They didn't want to make him a martyr, so they didn't kill him. They didn't uh, incarcerate him, so they exiled him. They mm-hmm. sent him to America, and this is where I got to know him and developed a heart for mm. Romania. And as, Richard um, or William uh Warm, warm branch. Did I say that yes, right? <laughs> yes. Tortured for Christ. Mm-hmm. So many godly people came out of that. And even in persecution, even when the gospel is being hindered, God still works. God's gospel works all under all, all, every place or anything. Right. And in Romania, he is really doing his work and demonstrating. And I'm glad you and your mom were able to go. And I'm thankful that you could come and share some of that story with us, Kendra. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Would you it. go back? Oh, my goodness. In a heartbeat. Would you recommend that people who are listening start praying about where God would want them to go, especially He will Romania? open a door. If you have time and a heart for the Lord, just ask him and he will open a door because that's his heart. Kendra, thank you for being with us again. And we appreciate that. God is working. And he's working not only here in the United States, he's working in Romania as well. And pray that God's Holy Spirit would continue to draw people to himself as they come to Christ. 
Again, this is Exploring Missions on the American Family Radio Network. Thank you for listening, and be on mission for God. God.